everyone and welcome to the Winnipeg Music Project. This is Ashley Bianyaj and today I am here with Kazmir Gruel. Thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you? I'm doing good. Good? Okay, yeah. awesome. So uh, start by telling everyone a little bit about yourself. Who are you? So I guess uh, I'm, I'm part cook and part musician. Uh, started started playing music pretty early when I was about 12 years old with piano, okay. clarinet, and then migrated to saxophone. And saxophone was kind of what I ended up doing a lot of through high school and my first bands and stuff. Okay. And uh, then I, I kind of developed an interest for guitar actually in Newfoundland. And I saw some, I went to, my parents took me to some like dingy little bar. We saw some guy named Derek Angus White. And then I forced my mom to teach me how to play D chord on the guitar and then started writing my own stuff. So it's kind of been a battle right now of uh, stopping playing other people's music in like other bands mm -hmm. to try and get this project going. So it's been kind of a long, long time coming. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I noticed that you do a lot of other people's music. I was, um, I was talking to you, I think it was The Heights. Yeah. yeah and they're saying that you were playing for them. And how do you, how do you get involved with that? Um... Well, like there's, I guess there's people that I, I, I used to play a lot more with other bands. I used to be started with a band called Burnt Project One, which is a really good band to start with. I was playing baritone sax with them, and uh, they they ended up being nominated for Junos and WCMAs and stuff. So wow. I got to go to these events and meet a bunch of people, and and that kind of even though I wasn't necessarily that skilled yet, I was a very young musician. I was still involved in everything. That's really cool. And uh, I guess that gave me a bit of a name and, uh, and then it's kept I also liked going to bars when I was younger not as much anymore but <laughs> so not bars I guess like uh, I'd play at like the cavern and stuff yeah. so like drinking establishments yeah and uh, and I'd do the jam night several times and you just kind of meet people yeah and just, and then just, they just ask so Eli was one of those people was like none the wiser mm -hmm. and uh, played a lot with none the wiser back in the day and Ben Figler was somebody language and Tanner and pretty much actually my whole band consists of everyone from the family planners so nice. it's so like you know we all kind of incorporate each other it's nice. okay very cool I've, I just I'm really curious because um, I think it's really cool to I, I would love to work with other people's music and work with them but I don't know how to like get involved with that I, I just asked people just she asked. said you should let me play oh, cool. <laughs> and then uh, lots of times it was no and then sometimes it was yes so why did you decide to do this new project or is is it considered new uh kind of yeah like i would consider it new i guess for what i yeah okay uh and uh why did you decide to do it um i get i, I was always writing songs even when i was playing in everyone else's band at first they were pretty terrible songs and i had this really really bad band called the casmer girl trio and it was fun but uh, you know, the songs were pretty mediocre and mm -hmm. they weren't, I don't, wasn't proud of them. So I scrapped all that and started rewriting everything a few years ago. And uh, after that, it's just been kind of a trying to make it happen kind of thing. So the hard part was actually getting like a band together. <laughs> it was very difficult. Why? Um, essentially I would it happened a lot where because we were all playing in so many projects and I, the players I would pick were players I was playing in other bands with 
mm-hmm. and we were all playing so many projects so we would have like two rehearsals in a show and then we just not have time to get together for about a half a year oh, no. so it would kind of fall off the face of the earth and then kind of yeah. come back for like one show and then fall off the face of the earth mm-hmm. but yeah that's kind of why I, it's it's always I've always wanted to play my music in a band and so, so is it different now yes how is it different uh, it became a lot more progressive I guess I, I, I that was at, I guess it all it became a little more progressive after I did a very 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 small stint at the jazz program at the U of M and uh, and I also started listening to a lot more jazz and, and also bands like Mars Volta and stuff so a lot okay. more like heavy progressive stuff and um, those are the bands that really influenced me and I added it on to writing acoustic mm-hmm. so became kind of neat. It was like each song I was trying to write was trying to uh, almost one-up the next one. I don't know if that's a bad way of putting it. But okay, and that just kept you like kept it working going. with your band and stuff? Yeah. Okay, nice. Um, how do you go about picking your band? How do you know when, like, okay, that's the person I want? Um, that that was, I, well, I, uh, yeah, they're, they're all members of the Family Planners except for Ashley Al. Who've also played with, with other groups, um, and those are the people that I like to play with. And I've been playing with them for so long now that, uh, you know, I didn't. I, I had a few people I was playing with before, and they were great. But as soon as I started playing with the fan planners people, it was, you know, we just had a great time doing what we were doing, and they were all very skilled. They're so talented, mm-hmm. and the fact that we're having so much fun doing it is kind of. What drove me to choose them. Awesome. Yeah. That's so great. Well, I'm happy for you that you found someone that works with you. <laughs> um, so we started the show uh, with uh, Winter First. Yeah. Uh, so what is that song about? The It's, it's hard to say. It's, uh, I, I generally have a hard time writing stories. So usually my method of writing is... Uh, it's more interpretive and I guess more based on like an atmosphere. So, the time of writing it was uh, was actually fall, and I was kind of anticipating winter and what winter would what would happen, and uh, so there's some some lifestyle changes and everything going on there, mm-hmm. and uh, essentially, I would write one line and then the rest would kind of fall into place, and some some of it wouldn't necessarily it would tell us. A very vague story that someone might go hey I took this from it and someone else would go hey I took this from it and as for me I hadn't really taken anything from it <laughs> oh, okay. It's, okay it's interesting interesting it, yeah um how does that are all your songs like that yeah generally like I have yeah just creating a concrete story it doesn't feel as honest for me to do it like I some I've tried doing it a few times and I get I read a verse and it doesn't I sing it and it does not feel like, like I should be yeah, yeah it doesn't feel genuine it doesn't feel like I should be doing it um even with I guess the, the music too and the and when I draw things like that when I do art it tends to be more abstract mm-hmm. and I think that's part of my creative process maybe is not is is being more stream of consciousness and okay. not really paying attention as much to what I'm creating and letting it kind of mm-hmm. just go onto the paper. Okay, and then, so, being abstract was awesome. How do you, how do you edit that? Like, how do you know what's good 
to stay in the song and what it shouldn't really change or what shouldn't stick. I generally play it over a few times, and uh, I mean even sometimes now I'll like I'll listen to a track, and in my head something will click and I'll change a word. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen very often, but um, it's a feeling, I guess. Okay. It's just again I think it goes to, to, with the same like story concept where if it, it doesn't feel genuine when I'm saying it, then I don't want it to be on the paper. Okay. Do you do you are, does are you this is really interesting. Are you um, concerned people will take it as poor songwriting if it doesn't have like that storyline or that? Yeah, that's a yeah. I mean, just this last weekend, I played at a country bluegrass festival, folk festival kind of mm-hmm. thing uh, called Fire and Water, which was great. And it was extremely out of the box because like lots of people loved like their songwriting was storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. And. Uh, they have the stage banter and the storytelling and, and you go up on stage and the focus is more on the composition I guess less the lyrics and it's more interpretive and I did feel very out of place it seemed to be well received though like I you know have a paranoid way of thinking I thought that it was not going to be well received yeah but I think just the fact that it does feel genuine to me when I'm writing it speaks when I'm playing it okay and that's like I mean hey if people think it's poor songwriting that's all interpretive too right so. that's true that's very true <laughs> oh, yeah I'm, I, uh, I'm asking this. sometimes when I'm writing I will I I kind of find myself doing that like I don't I don't really write song, stories my songs I write mm-hmm. like the emotions that I'm feeling or like memories or like one song that I have right now is just it's just n- memories about someone like all kind of slapped together and this was no real linear like kind of just like how I'm feeling with mm-hmm. everything and it's actually one of my strongest strong songs right now but like uh, re- or previous songs to that people would tell me like oh it doesn't make sense or what like I don't know what you're saying in this song mm-hmm. and it frustrated me because I'm like well I don't even know what I'm saying exactly <laughs> this, this is what I felt when I wrote it so I find that really interesting that someone else can do that too yeah. uh, very cool so um this song and the song Rocks Are Been Hearing at the end, they're both singles for up- upcoming EP? Or are they just out there? It's going to be a, a full-scale album. Okay. okay. Um, yeah. I think, well, we were, we're, we were potentially good planning on maybe doing an EP of five or six of them before the album release, but I, I'm kind of debating just putting it all out at once okay, when and, it's all completed. Why are you debating that? Um... I feel like if I put out six of the songs right now, it's not going to be as much of a, you know, I've already put out two singles, and mm-hmm. it'll be a lot of repeated, like, someone who's got the EP doesn't need to necessarily get the album. Would you put those six songs on the album as well? Uh, yeah, that, okay. and that's, that's where it would come to play, be doing kind of that thing that I've seen actually lots of bands do, and it's a great idea. I just don't think it fits with what I'm going for. Mm-hmm. Um but in, considering the album as well will be a bit of a shorter one we're, we're aiming for I don't know there used to be a, you know albums with like nine songs on them and that was mm-hmm. there, wasn't, there wasn't really much filler on them yeah. nowadays you have like the two disc albums that people are putting out where half of it's like you know it's listenable but and then the other half is great mm-hmm. and I don't want to do that yeah that's fair like the filler stuff so okay yeah um so 
why are you thinking about releasing? Why did that idea come into your head to do the the EP? Um, I think just watching other people do what they are doing okay. and watching other artists that I know kind of, you know, because this is all so new to me that the only, I, I kind of have to like, you know, really observe what people around me are doing to kind of, you know, more experienced people are doing to get a feel for how I should do it. And I've noticed that some people do that, some people don't. And okay. yeah, okay. and I think that, uh, I think there's, there's a certain niche maybe that, that it works. And then there's this another, like, for the stuff that I'm doing, considering that it's more abstract and, mm -hmm. and everything, I don't, I think it'd be better just to kind of go out as a concept, as like a, as a whole, when it's mm -hmm. completed. Okay. And, um, this, these six songs that you were thinking about putting on this EP, how did you pick those six songs? How did you know those were the songs that you were going to be releasing, or might have been releasing early? Um... I think you had decided on them. I don't know. Yeah, well, it, it's kind of been uh, been our way of uh, recording right now. We're we're doing it in a kind of interesting. We'll do three songs at a time. Okay. And really focus on those three songs for a pretty lengthy amount of time. Mm -hmm. Just I have great people that I'm working with, and and they're helping a lot. And uh, so we'll take those three songs. We'll do the bass and drums at bedside studios and then we'll do everything else at a separate studio and uh so we did the first set of three and then we did the next set of three and that would have been the six that oh, would, I, see. I would have decided to put out but in the end I'm, I'm still i'm still creating a little bit for the last three songs mm -hmm. and still like kind yeah. of tinkering away at stuff so i don't really want to put that out because those other three might be you Fair. know or they might add something, you know, more of like a story concept. Okay. Kind of not, you know, not a story because it's not good stories, but yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like it works add, together. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. it, it might it might have its own way of putting itself together that way. Okay. Okay, that's fair. Interesting. No, I, I you're the first person ever told me that kind of process, so I'm just, what made you think that? Uh, and how are you recording this this music? Are you, are you doing it in a studio? Mm-hmm. Which studio? Um, Derek Benjamin Studios. So, he's a good friend of mine my uh, my manager Scott Ward from Great Canadian Entertainment actually uh, introduced me to him <laughs> and um, uh, yeah and so yeah we do the sorry the, the bass and drums at bedside yeah with uh, with Derek mm -hmm. he does the engineering there and then uh, then we take them to his studio and then we can kind of we have a bit more time to just like sit and process and I'm with my band and the manager and my producer and mm -hmm. we're all thinking about different ways we could arrange things and make it very dynamic. Cool. I like that. That's awesome. Um, so how did you get involved with Great Canadian Entertainment? Because they're actually the ones that initially approached me. Like, hey, you should contact... Oh, really? Like, yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. So how did you, um, um, how did you get involved with them? Scott, Scott Ord, who's the, who started the business. Um, he was actually one of the first people that I ever did recording with back when we were a band called Children of the Indigo, and also with my far less, far inferior band, the Casmerville Trio. Um, he, we, we kind of recorded together back when we were all very young and inexperienced, and, and then he went off to Nimbus in Vancouver, and I didn't see him for a long time. We went and did some recording there. 
after a while. It's a school of recording arts in Vancouver. Okay. So it's run by Bob Ezrin, who did the wall and stuff like that. And cool. yeah, and yeah, and he's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, that's okay. No, it sounds like it's probably a big deal. It's it's yeah. I mean, it, he they definitely learned a lot there. And Derek Derek actually my my producer I believe also he went there as well. Okay. Um, and then Scott came back here for a little bit. We talked about stuff, and he was going to start a business. And I mean, we've been good friends through this whole time, so. He was just, we would communicate, right? And then he moved down to LA and started looking at the Village Studios. And, uh, and started really just like owning in on these things. And then he decided he wanted to, to be a manager and uh, start his own business, his own little artist hub. Mm-hmm. So now we've got bands from uh, all across Canada. Yeah. And it's kind of nice. And, uh, and what's it like to have a manager? It's it's nice. I'm not a very organized person. Okay. Uh, what does that mean? How, how does he help you with that? Um, he helps me remember to set things like photo shoots and, you know, keeps me on top of things where sometimes I'll procrastinate them, you know, and work gets really busy and mm-hmm. I don't feel when I come home, I, don't, I just don't feel like emailing for two hours. He kind of helps me with... He doesn't do that for you? Um, generally I'll do like some contacting by myself he does organize quite a bit for me mm-hmm. he does actually set things up for me okay and uh, and but if it's something that I, I need to do personally he'll still kind of keep me on top of it sometimes I just procrastinate for a day and then forget for a week and yeah. that week's not procrastinating it's just actually I forgot mm-hmm. okay <laughs> yeah interesting I don't know many musicians who have uh, managers so yeah no we're just kind of good friends and we help, he helps me out a lot so it's great yeah. Would you recommend that um, people starting out to get a manager? Um, it depends on who you're getting, and I mean, I got lucky with Scott. I know, I know, lots of managers will charge a crazy percent, and you probably need to be making a certain amount with your, you know, music, yeah. with your music, so that it's beneficial to them. Whereas uh, Scott's more in the interest of he's starting up right now as well, so. Yeah. It's a bit. It's a bit of a different thing. I don't think I would have gone to get a, any manager other than that right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd be financially ready for it. If that makes sense. I mean, if you can afford it, from everyone I've talked to, the best step is when you start going is getting a publisher. Actually, that makes sense. And uh, instead of a manager, someone who does your not not to say media for you in a way and gets you. In contact with places and get to find you shows that fit your niche and things yeah. like that. Like I think that'd be the more beneficial route than a manager initially. Why? Why are they different? Um, a manager is just more all around and not necessarily specialized. Specialized, in, and a publisher is just specialized in figuring out your niche and finding new opportunities within that niche. Okay, very cool. I didn't know that. Uh, I have this book about um, the business of like being like a musician. I haven't read that part obviously because I didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so going back to songwriting, because um, that's my thing. Um, mm-hmm. When you are songwriting, how does that process start? Like, how do you get into the zone to start writing your your abstract feelings? That's a that's a hard one. Um, 
usually like the the process is kind of commenced for a, a, or has started for a long time before it actually happens what does that like mean? I will have written ten parts of things oh, yeah. and nothing completed because I just you know nothing finishes I, I can't see a finish for anything yeah that I would really like and uh, then all of a sudden it's either I realize that I can combine four of those or five of those or six of those or whatever it be or I just have a whole new idea it's kind of like chipping away at something until something magically pops out or I manage to puzzle things together okay yeah mm -hmm. okay a lot different than anyone <laughs> usually it happens yeah <laughs> uh, I'm just wondering because it's a different kind of approach to songwriting maybe you have a different like way of writing it but Mm -hmm. Sounds like but you still have to, you yeah. know, yourself to shed. You still gotta just comp everything together, keep it track of it. Yeah. And hopefully one day it works. And keep writing things. Yeah. You know? I have this one section of a song that I've been writing for about three years now. <laughs> it's just, it bothers me because every once in a while I'm like, maybe this, no, it doesn't work. Okay, just sit back in the corner. That's fine. Yeah. I'll come back to you. Um, I, I know those. <laughs> yeah. So when you finish a song, how mm -hmm. do you uh, know that that's a song you're gonna want to perform? Like, some people will just write a song and they don't like it. They finish it, just scrap it, and like, okay, it's done. I don't have to worry about it anymore. How do you know, or do you, or do you have songs like that where you scrap them once they're done, or are all of them just like perfect, your babies? Yeah, I don't generally scrap. Oh. I guess I, I'll have. Uh, I like I'll scrap lots of sections, mm -hmm. but the whole general concept of the song, I, I don't come up with the whole concept very often, and so I don't generally scrap it. I'll chip away at the same thing for, you know, however long it yeah. may be. Um, I'll scrap parts that I'm writing, mm -hmm. but I'll never scrap the like foundation of the song that I wanted to keep. If there's something that I've started that I and like I should really just keep doing this then I'll just keep doing it oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I know I'm, I think I'm, I'm very similar like I I think I'm, I'm okay with a song and I'm going to go back to it or well, then I'll be writing and I'll flip through my songwriting book and I'm like oh that song I really like those like two lines and mm -hmm. that's like all I'll use from it yeah and I guess that makes sense so with everything that's happened so far uh, what are your what is your proudest accomplishment as a musician Paris accomplishment as a musician. Um, I want to jokingly say having an income, but um, I think I think back in the day it would still be just the, the the Juno nomination and going to the Junos and being part of that. That was great. Mm -hmm. um, that is but, really cool. Like anyone would dream for that. That as an event, I think that would be you know the one of the coolest things that's ever happened. And I mean, regardless of my skill level at the time, you know, I was still excited, super excited to be a part of it. I was still part of the album. You know, we worked for a long time on it. It was a great time. It's crazy. And uh, but I think I think this the two singles I've released right now are my proudest like you know mm -hmm. pieces. I'm just really excited about getting this album out, and that will be my most proud moment, regardless if people like it or not. Good, no, that's <laughs> totally fair. That's a good, um, that's a good accomplishment. I know, like I, I've been trying to 
work on recording and it's, I see how hard it is. Like it's, it's harder than I thought it would be. Like mm-hmm. you have to know your songs well enough and like that you're confident enough and like I've, I've recorded a couple things and it's like, maybe I don't like that. Maybe I need to go in and fix that and like constantly fighting that. Mm-hmm. that and battle. listening to it over and over and over yeah. again. And like, oh, I hate that note or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what are some stresses you have to deal with uh, with performing? Uh, stage banter. Stage banter? Yeah. I'm no good at talking in between songs. Why not? Uh, I guess lots of people, you know, they, lots of their, I, I, I've been trying to like watch other people's banter so I can get better at it, right? Yeah. And I noticed that the majority of stage banter involves explaining how you wrote a song. Yeah. And uh, for me, how I write every song, I'll be like, so I was sitting in my room and uh, I wrote the first line and then the rest of it came out. There'd be no story to it. You know, there's no... I don't have, like, a... You know... I mean, I could make up stories, I guess, but... Yeah, but then it's not genuine. Yeah, exactly. Um, why do you have to have stage banter? Um, I feel at festivals and, and stuff, it's, it's part of the... Part of the stage presence, I think, that, uh... You know, the music's abstract enough and the lyrics are abstract enough already that if there's no, like personal connection with the audience it might be hard to hook in hook in someone yeah. you know I've, I've been I've totally been hooked in by artists because they had a really like fun state or not fun necessarily but you know charming stage presence and mm-hmm. they had a, they had a uh, just the, the way they explained things and the way they spoke was interesting and it kind of made the performance better so it's something I've wanted to incorporate I, I can think of people that have really good stage banter that just like they stick out because it just mm-hmm. makes you feel like you yeah, you have a connection with, with exactly. the performer and I, lo- I love that I love having a connection with people that I'm watching play music well why don't you uh, when you're you saying like this is a feeling I was feeling when I was writing this song tell me I'm nervous like don't do that. <laughs> I was trying to help. I was trying to help. But, uh, I but something around those lines is doable. And that's, yeah. I think, what I've been trying to play with. Mm-hmm. It's like, because that's the way I would have to do it. I've been actually watching, I, I saw Micah Ehrenberg mm-hmm. play at Fire and Water. Yeah. And he's, always, he's been a close friend for a while. And it's, he's great. And his stage banter is hilarious because he develops his persona and he becomes this almost, I don't know if it's like an awkward person. But it becomes, yeah. but he does it really well. Just be his yeah. style of music, and it's who he is, and I love it. I know. I saw him at uh, Times Change. He's really good. Mm-hmm. He's just like a goofball, and like yeah. he just totally owns it. That's awesome. Uh, well, good luck on that. <laughs> um, do you have anything else that stresses you out? Um, I get really self-critical. Very self-critical. I'm never. I, well, sometimes I'm, I'm very happy with that happened, but, you know, if there's one thing that didn't happen the way I wanted it to, in terms of performance, I would focus on that. Yeah. Not during the set, but, like, after the set, I'd be like, ah, I wish I didn't do that. And that kind of gets... Well, that story was so lame. Yeah. <laughs> Why well, I talk about my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, you know, that, that that's kind of one thing that... I need to get better at especially when someone comes up to you and tells you like oh you did a great job and your first response not like in your head is like that's terrible but you can't say that because then you're telling them they have bad judgment (laughs) yeah 
What I hate when people talk about me, like, oh yeah, it was good. I hate good. Like, good. What does that mean? Good like, job. Is that your cover <laughs> saying like, oh, it was okay, but I don't want to hurt your feelings. It was good. Yeah. Or I honestly prefer that wasn't good because that tells me that I have something to improve. Yeah. Like, bothers me so much. That's what I. That's what bothers me. It's just like the lack of honesty. It's like I know I'm still learning how to perform. Yeah. Like be. I know this. The whole thing wasn't good. And there's then there's a way to be like nice and critical at the same time. Yeah. And. I like it when people, you know, that's, I think, another thing I really like about my bandmates is <laughs> they just sort of told me, don't do that. Don't do that. Like, quite a few times. And it works great because, you know, I write everything on an acoustic by myself, so I have to fill all this space. And then when you put that into a seven-piece band, there's too many things happening and mm-hmm. you have to actually stop doing things, which I didn't realize. Yeah. So, you know, they're great at being critical like that. And that's good. No, I wish good. the audience was for as well, because maybe, you know. Yeah. I mean, granted, sometimes I do just think it was good. And yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but I hate people are like, yeah, it's good. And then, like, the next this year, like, oh, wow, that was so much better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is... What, what changed? <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I played it exactly the same. <laughs> so, with that, you told, like, you're saying that you, you have a seven-piece band. Mm-hmm. How do you, and you write it acoustically... How do, do you have like an idea of what you want everything to sound like, or do you just have your your little thing? And like, hey, this is what I have. Figure out what you want to do. Um, I've gotten better at it. That's what I used to do. I would send them my acoustic recordings and be like, "Do what you want with it." Yeah. And but then I realized that a that's not really fair to them. That's kind of asking like a lot of the band to just, you know, to do something like that. And that's also like they they want it. They, they want it to sound good and they trust me you know to help them do that and they also they come up with great ideas too if they have you know they need some kind of direction you can't just be like this is a very vague song do something with it because yeah. you don't th- there's no there's no direction there and uh, so that was another actually hard thing was learning how to be more of a band leader which I'm still not good at um, but I'm sure you're just being hard on yourself. <laughs> sure, fine. Um, but but uh, so so what I'll do now is I'll I've started trying to write out like performance notes or mm-hmm. I'll just be more vocal in a rehearsal or if there's something that I don't think should I'm still awkward when I say it because I feel uncomfortable telling someone that I don't like what they're doing. Yeah. I still but just it's your song. Exactly, and then I, and that's something I'm still kind of working on coming to terms with, but getting better at it. I'm being vocal. I'll be like awkward while doing it, but I'm being vocal. <laughs> okay. I'm sure they appreciate that. So, yeah. uh, how do you how do you um, do it now? So you say like this is I kind of kind of thinking about this idea, or I want this kind of sound from you. Can you do mm-hmm. that for me, or do you want I want this progression with this rhythm? Go. Um, generally, yeah, like I I'll do that a bit with the key with the keys because. Sometimes I'll get the keys to take over what I'm doing so I don't play guitar because it becomes a bit too muddy yeah. with all the guitars. Um, for my steel player, because steel is a very kind of airy, atmospheric instrument, I kind of give him the changes, but you know, he kind of, unless it's a key change, I don't really tell him much. Other than the dynamics, like there's, you know, this part drops, so be a little quieter here. And, it up here play out here 
um, with lead guitar. I also kind of let him do more of his thing, but again, I guess lots of my songs have more are very dynamic, so they'll have a part that goes up, and then it stops and turns into a totally new part that's like totally down here, and then it kind of builds again. And so as long as they follow d the dynamics, mm -hmm. they generally can have a sense for the feel and mm -hmm. the what they need to do. Because the only the only problem that I sometimes run into is things are being overplayed. You know, sometimes you don't need triplets or sixteenths in the bass or yeah, okay. on the guitar. You just want a quarter note. So then, when that happens, I'll just say, "Well, just try this." Or just simplify it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay, interesting. Um, so, what is each individual part of the seven piece? Um, what, what What are all the parts for it? I have a drummer, Dan Burtnick. Mm -hmm. I have a lap steel player, uh, Matt Philopolis. Uh, guitar player, Tony Pizzi. Keys, uh, Rick Demosiak, um, bass and vocals, which is Ashley Au, and uh, Olivia Maxfield, who's just just on vocals with me. Okay, and then you. And then I play guitar and sing. Okay. Um, how do you uh, organize a practice time with all those people? Um, it was difficult at first, and then eventually, when we all started getting more into it, and we felt like it was like starting to actually like develop into something, we got kind of excited, and then. One day I was just like, we're gonna shoot for every Monday, and if one person can't make it, that's okay. Like we're still just gonna shoot for Mondays, and generally that has been going well. Some are a little bit not as much because we're all off playing festivals and this mm -hmm. and that. People are touring, yeah. so. Uh, but generally, when we're here, Mondays. That's the, that's the day, and if someone can't make it, someone can't make it. But, or if we want to reschedule, we'll try and reschedule, but keep it on a Monday and at least then you have like some concrete like foundation mm -hmm. to work with Yeah, and you can change it from there but you know everyone knows that Monday should be a practice yeah so so then what is what is a show like how do you book shows to make everyone show up um I do lots of solo performances actually um we my steel player Phil also happens to he plays he plays bass on the recordings mm -hmm. as well so he knows all the bass parts, so sometimes if Ashley can't make it, I just won't have steel, not bass. Okay. Um, generally, it hasn't been too much trouble. I, I usually know things like two months in advance, kind of. So, I'm just, okay. are you here on this day? And they have their schedules, and they check, and they say, yep, and then I book it. And they're really good at responding. That's good. <laughs> Which no, is good. good. I've had other bands where everyone takes, like, me being one of the people that takes a long time, um, more people don't respond for like a week. Yeah, that's like me. <laughs> but you for specifically for some reason. I'm like trying to book this interview for like, for months. And it's so bad. I'm not usually oh, no. that, I'm not usually that bad. Oh, we're both busy. Yeah, we're both, <laughs> I'm really not, but I have a lot of good excuses. There you so, go. <laughs> that's all you need. Um, so do you have advice for beginners who want to start, um, maybe doing their own solo stuff? and they're a little nervous about it, they're not quite sure what they need to do to get started? Mm-hmm. Um, go to open mics. Don't headline a show. Play as many opening shows as you can because chances are when you're starting off, you will not have the biggest following and you can piggyback off bands that do. Yeah. Um, and that's just Find a... That one, yeah. Pardon? Yeah, Find I know. <laughs> for some reason decided to headline my shows when I was younger. I don't know why. Um, 
so do that um, just keep writing things and keep playing and you'll be discouraged at some point I don't know maybe that's just me but from other one, everyone else I know too like there's times where you're pretty discouraged and that's kind of what keeps you going in a way because you wow. you want to keep fighting for it yeah that's for me like I don't know when I play these festivals and I'm super out of place and I'm just by myself and I'm playing with a bunch of bluegrass players I feel kind of discouraged like you know no one gets it yeah. and that's okay like you know that's the time and the place but those are what keep you motivated because it, at the end of the day you still did it because you believe in what you're doing mm-hmm. and that's probably something that you should remember believe in yourself yeah, yeah. I mean, that's believe a terrible believe in yourself so cheesy that's, no that, that, that's, it is cheesy but it's like it's important it's important I mean I don't know just the life of the musician and songwriter is not as glorious as it's made out to be yeah no and I think people have a very like lovely idea of what a songwriter is and how they live their life yeah and it's not that <laughs> but you would think because even the songs like, sometimes they're like so broken and so like just like sad stories and like oh you have such a wonderful life and like, <laughs> songs like no like this is how I cope with like, the hardships in my life exactly. I write about it this is my yeah. this is my release <laughs> um so do you find your own shows yeah for the most part I'll like I'll contact people and there, there's some like when I was playing with other bands I, they would usually get offered shows but mm-hmm. for this stuff i been generally like it's kind of like when I was asking to play in people's bands I would just go out there. can I play can I yeah. play <laughs> uh, how do you how do you ask that what's your process for finding gigs um I, th- I think it's maybe a bit easier for me because I just with playing with other groups I've developed relationships with plenty of bar owners and and venue owners so I've kind of I just talk to the people that I know I guess so it's a bit easier but just email people yeah. Hi. Yeah, and send them, you know, send them your music, a picture, email, mm-hmm. and make it sound professional. Don't abbreviate you with just a you. And yeah. <laughs> Proper grammar, we're good. Don't say LOL. My, you know, good. my music is lit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, unless it is, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, do but it. I mean, that's like, that's like the personality you're going for. But, do you worry about your song? Like, does, does this, the, the quality of your recordings of your music be important, or does it... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super. I, I'm like a pretty OCD person, so the little it's all the like the little details that I kind of you know sometimes I'll add layers for like the most minimal reason, and I don't. It doesn't really need to be there, but and it makes it sound just a little bit better, and yeah. that's just what I wanted. Kind of oh, thing. Yeah. Whatever, whatever works for you. Yeah. <laughs> then what right now? What is your favorite song to perform? Mm. It's actually a, a cover. Okay. It's uh, Speaking Rounds by Grizzly Bear. That's mm-hmm. my favorite. And why? Um, because we've... It's changed so much. Um, it, it's, it's a really... Like, it's, it's just a... It's a really... It's a really cool song initially. And, um... Just over time, like, I started covering it with just acoustic. And this is, like, Grizzly Bear, you know, they're... They're pretty synth guitar heavy, and they're like they're a pretty proggy band in a sense. Or I don't know what you really call it, but kind of heavy. Um, 
And so to put it on acoustic, I had to change a lot of things. And then we brought the acoustic version back to full band. And we kept the same structure and everything, but the dynamics and everything totally changed. And mm-hmm. the way I say things changed. And it's been kind of a neat, like, Gym. development process of, like, a rearranging a, a great song. And work for you. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. I'd love to hear that sometime. I'll have to come to one of your shows, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I guess. <laughs> I'll have to come to one of yours too. So. I guess, yeah. Fair <laughs> trade. Or are we going to perform together? There you go. Um, do you do the big. Or I'll ask later. Never mind. I'll ask after the show. Oh, sorry. I'm getting like. I'm forgetting that I'm doing an interview right now. <laughs> um, so, how do you balance your music with like work and other obligations? Uh, I, you know, sometimes I don't. <laughs> uh, I work generally like 40 hours a week and then I also do probably. I don't know, in between 20 to 30 hours of music a week, sometimes a bit more. How do you do that? Um, I have a very, very supportive girlfriend, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, uh, nice. lightning outside. <laughs> and, um, I have a very supportive family, yeah. and sometimes I, I book gigs and I forget that I have you know, dinner with someone's friends or dinner with their, you know, I have plans with someone else. Yeah. And, uh, it helps have people that understand that you forgot and you booked a gig because it's so hard to manage everything. The one thing I stuck at is I do not have an agenda and I do not have a calendar or schedule. Gonna say, I would just say, like, maybe you should get a calendar. It doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. No. You forget your calendar. I forget my calendar, yeah. and it's, it's, I just have all my dates in my head, and I, you know, well, I've, like, but I, do you? <laughs> I keep track on emails, yeah, too. Okay. I, I double check emails, but, you know, like, okay. I try, I try my best to keep everything in my head. Um, calendars usually just end up being a waste of space. Yeah. And, yeah, it just helps out people that don't get too mad at you if you forget things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know I have a calendar, and sometimes I'm good with it, and sometimes I'm not. Like a good couple months, and I'm like, oh, I haven't uh, moved my my little bookmark in a while because <laughs> uh, I've been looking at it. But for the most part, like usually appointments and like exam dates and stuff like that, I, my calendar is really helpful. That's good to have it for, yeah. But um, like little things, like okay, so like. I'm trying to write interviews down because I keep forgetting interviews like crazy. Yeah. We're like, are we doing an interview? I'm like, oh, shoot, no, we're not. <laughs> um, but it's okay. Whatever works for you, as long as you're you have a supportive. I mean, I will have like one week of the year usually that I'll get really really motivated and I'll go and buy a calendar and yeah. think this is the this year. This is the year. This is the year that I'm going to use a calendar. Yeah. And then it just sits there. And yeah. Um, at least I try every year. Maybe. I think so. <laughs> Uh, that's better than nothing. Yeah. Um, so what's the best advice you've heard since you started working in the music injury that has just stuck with you? Um, I heard a really funny quote from Joe Landreth that when he said that Fred Penner never told him or told him to never drink water, lean down to drink water while you're on stage because it's not classy. I like that one. So yeah, to grab it, I don't know. It's just a quote from Fred Penner. Okay. I thought that was funny. Um, but, uh, <laughs> never lean down. Yeah, so never, like, you know, like, go down to get water on stage. Always have it on an app or something, because it's, like, the least classy thing you can do. Well, why? I don't know. That's, that's why, that's why I kind of liked the quote, because it made me think about the, the you know, yeah. getting water. Yeah, no, I'm thinking about that now, like, especially if you're sitting on, like, a keyboard, and you have to, like, 
cool. Because um, it's like a visual thing, right? Yeah. And now you're seeing it from like the audience's perspective. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Like, it doesn't tell me anything, but it tells me so much. It's so, bad. It's so weird. All about the little things. Mm-hmm. Um, best, <laughs> best piece of advice would be um, that's a hard one. You can have more than one, too, if you're having trouble. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's, it's a conglomeration of different advices. What is it? Advice? I don't know. Advice. Advice. I think it'd be just uh, just because you're not necessarily fitting into just from other people. Because I've I've uh, talked about my anxieties about not uh, necessarily fitting into a niche and the troubles with that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you know you feel like super out of place, and uh, would be that being different is good and going against the green is good and just all the all the things people say to kind of make you realize that just because you're not necessarily like conforming to something doesn't make doesn't mean that you're not going somewhere with it yeah it might feel like it when you're in an area like that but mm-hmm. there's a bigger picture than the small area that you're looking at mm-hmm. I like that because that's like my fear too you want to be different, but like, do you want to be different? And because yeah, you want to get the gigs too, right? Exactly. Like you want you want to fit like the like the I don't know cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. So like you like, that's what they're looking for sometimes. With the, but then if it's oversaturated, why why would you ever stick out? But if you stick out too much, well, I don't know what you mean. Well, because you know, and like I, you might have the same problem where you're like you kind of like for me when I'm right, it depends on what I'm listening to like. Some parts are kind of countryish. Some parts are like Motowny. Some parts are really heavy and progressive. Some mm-hmm. parts are folky. Some parts are rootsy. And so you're yeah. never you're never in one area. Like you're never exactly one thing. Whereas that's something that a, like a country singer doesn't have. Yeah. You know, you're never just that predictable thing. And it's hard for people who are used to that, I think, to to immediately enjoy it. But that doesn't mean they don't enjoy it. Yeah. They just. They're not as familiar with it as something. And that's like any, like, you know, groundbreaking thing that has ever happened. People weren't familiar with it at first and people rejected it. Mm-hmm. You know, doesn't mean that it's bad. No, that's true. That's very true. You know, I'm experimenting with, experimenting with my sound and, like, this, I have a song that sounds really jazzy and I have a song that sounds like a pop song and I sound like, it kind of like sounds like it could be a rock song if it wasn't just a keyboard and mm-hmm. voice. I don't know what I want to do with that, and like I'm, like, I'm scared to like keep doing that and like being all over the place. People are like, well, what are you? I don't know. So I, I think I'm that's the that's the new world of music, you know. Yeah, There's, why do I have to be just one? You, it, it, like the the whole genre thing for music is so mind-boggling now. There's yeah. there's so many subgenres. There's millions. Like there's millions of genres of just yeah. like there's there's pizza core. Like what? Pizza core exists as a type of music. Like if pizza exactly. core exists, then I can do whatever I want. Yeah, like, that's true. I know another band was asking me before the the interview the other day, and they're like, "So you listen to a lot of music, or you've come in contact with a lot of music? What what do you think our music is?" And I'm like, "I don't know. <laughs> like it's like I can give you like maybe what I think, but that doesn't mean that I'm right. Like no, it could be anything. Like you can do whatever you want. 
and I was talk I was talking to my boyfriend afterwards and he's like, No, I think it's this genre and I'm like, see, like I didn't I don't know, this is what I think it is, but whatever. It's weird. I don't like genres. Genres are stupid. No, it's a silly label that confines you to something that you probably aren't anyway. Yes. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So where can people <laughs> find you on social media? Uh, on Instagram, even though it's 90% pictures of my cat. Yeah. Um, but she's a great cat, so you might want to check it out anyway. Yeah. I do also post, like, my, my single, like, when I release singles and stuff, I'll have all the information where to get it there. Um, you can also find me on Facebook at com. Spotify, Apple Music, uh, I mean, iTunes, sorry. Um, all those other kind of music platforms mm-hmm. those, those paid services unfortunately yeah. but you gotta do what unfortunately, you gotta do why do you be unfortunate <laughs> if you wanna make music and make money off it you gotta charge people for it I, I no sound clouds it's really, it's really unfortunate that like people have to feel bad about charging money for their music I, I, I do agree that bothers me I don't charge money for my music no money's on the internet but like I, it's crazy how people We'll, we'll, we'll buy like a 99 cent game app but they won't pay 99 cents for a song they're going to listen to oh totally it just bothers me and like you you know you um when I when I had worse recordings or just home recordings I'd put them up on spot like on SoundCloud no problem yeah but after putting like all this time all this money time and money and, yeah, yeah to just give it months and months for one song and then you're just like here it is this just seems silly I know so you're you're gonna be on Shine On yeah right? As yeah. August 25th, 28th, where is that? That's uh, a little bit past the brokery in Marchand. Okay. And uh, just, uh, yeah, do a little Facebook or Google of Shine On Festival of Music and Arts. And you'll be there. Yeah, Your I'll be there. there. I'll be playing with a with a few people, I believe. None the wiser. Apollo Suns, as I believe you interviewed yep. Ed not too long ago. Yeah. Um, That's right. That, I also heard that you're playing with them, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do some stuff for them. them. Oh, it's so, so weird. Like, it's everywhere. It's weird. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not weird. It's good for you. Um, so you have a... a mu- uh, we won't talk about that, actually. Just kidding. Uh, it's not officially yet. I've said I'm not going to talk about that. Um, so we're coming to the end of the show, unfortunately. I, I hope you've been having as much fun as I have. Great time. Good. Um, good. That's the right answer. Um, so we're going to close with a song called Rocks, which we talked a little bit about before. But uh, can you give me a little bit more information on what are people going to be hearing when they this song what is it about this song or what emotions were you f- feeling um, when you were writing it is how I should word it with you okay <laughs> that's a good yeah. way there you go yeah. <laughs> um this I, I guess this song is a, a, a lot more melancholic um the artwork for it which I don't know it, it, if you want to look at my Facebook it's there kind of does a good description can I description. include it on the blog post oh yeah of course yeah, yeah okay, be great. it'll be on the blog post too on Friday after this interview on Wednesday sorry um oh no worries um the artwork is done by someone named Kira Gregory, but uh, it was a, it was a picture that I that we took when we were in Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. and uh, just while we were driving, and I've saw this, I've seen this movie called Waking Life, and it's a Scanner Darkly by I can't remember the guy's name, but he does this really cool thing where he takes a real life footage, and he has thirteen different I believe thirteen different artists color uh, draw over each frame. Mm-hmm. So it's in constant motion, and it's, it's like a surreal, real footage. And uh, I kind of wanted that to be part of the song, because to me that's what the song felt like, was this kind of, like a, almost like a surreal 
drawing over real life events kind of like that one was like extra dimensional but like in a nostalgic kind of like melancholy way so, cool. so I chose a very nostalgic picture from Nova Scotia of like the highway and the, the melancholy comes from like the cloudy skies and the, the kind of like is this gray backdrop. Is this song or is this the song picture? and artwork both okay, are okay. kind of yeah, yeah I can best describe the song through the picture I think. oh that's no it's totally fair yeah. it's just like the wording and like what was this is it, it makes sense in both music and mm-hmm. art so it was just interesting I guess because yeah it's more of like a visual and if you look at the picture I think that's the best way for me to, to actually describe cool yeah so I'll have a picture on the blog post or a link to it or whatever so you can see it if you're listening to this on Friday. But if you're listening to this on Wednesday, you have to Google it until <laughs> Friday after you need to wait. So thank you so much for coming on to the show. Um, Thanks for having me. No, gaps. Yeah, this was so much fun. Finally. Finally. Um, <laughs> months. Yeah, is there anything you want to add? Uh, no, I think that that's... I, th- I think I talked a lot there. I'm not usually that chatty, so... <laughs> no, great. I love it. I can just bring it out of you. All right, so with that being said, uh, thank you everyone so much for tuning in to the Winnipeg Music Project on 101.5 UMFM. This is Ashley Binage, and I'm here with Casimir Guel. Yeah. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> good. So um, if you're listening to this on the uh, radio show, uh, you missed the first half, don't worry. The full downloadable link for the... For the interview will be on um, winnipegmusicproject.com on Friday, hopefully 8 a.m. sharp. I'm pretty bad at posting it on time mm-hmm. though, so I can't guarantee that. We'll have links to all the social media, and I can like uh, probably link to the Shine On Festival page, something on I Facebook. I can send it to you. So. Oh, okay, yeah. perfect. Well, I'll link to it on the blog so people perfect. can find it if they're lazy. Um, <laughs> and so now you're going to listen to Rocks. And I'm wasted alone, trying to find my luck Taking the shelter that I can from these jagged rocks of old Lord And the wind picks up, the time is chasing the rain Got a head full of water and the tide's going in